Welcome into the A to Z Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Hauselberg, joined by Alex Sutton, bringing you your fantasy football content from A to Z. Thanks for tuning in. What's up, everyone? Welcome back into another episode of the A to Z Fantasy Football Podcast. I think this brings us like 28 or 29, so that's pretty dope. We are officially in the fantasy football playoffs for most leagues. Al, you and I, your home league that you missed the playoffs in, you Shut dished on that last, you dished on it last <laughs> week. I'm just bringing up, maybe maybe twist the knife a little bit. Um, I got 11th our, out of 12th. Yeah, I mean, our playoffs started last week. Um, I was the biggest Tyler Bass fan in all the land on during the bills game last week, the bills Niners, I had Tyler Bass and Dalton had uh, Debo Samuel. I squeaked out that win. It was terrifying, bad moves on my part. I benched Alvin Kamara in favor of miles Sanders. Cause I talked to myself stupidly into miles Sanders three weeks in a row. He will not see my freaking roster the rest of the year. That's a guarantee. Um, Antonio Gibson was injured and Jonathan Taylor was on my bench as well. So luckily I have two players. I can just pop right back in my lineup to replace Sanders and his inability to score or the Eagles inability to figure out how to use him. And then Gibson being injured, I can plug in Jonathan Taylor, who I like his matchups in the coming weeks. I feel okay. I feel okay. So I'm still rolling out Taysom Hill, which doesn't feel super awesome, but I think he's one of the leading rushers in the league over the past few weeks. So that's encouraging. He's got that upside built right into his game. But yeah, man. So you you mentioned you made some playoffs. Did you uh you, you clinched? Are you good? None of them started yet. They're this week, right? Yeah, and I made it in three out of the five. Cool. So man, good luck. Not, to... I missed I missed my bubble one, but <laughs> that's it happens. There was one I made that I didn't expect. I looked this morning, I was checking the weekly reports and I saw a bracket and my name was on it. I'm like, oh, this is a pleasant surprise. So that's nice, but there were a few I missed that I really think my team should have uh, should have put me in a spot to win. But, you know, that's fantasy football. That's how it goes. But, uh, yeah, man, so we'll hop in. This week is going to be just our normal rundown. We're going to start with some news. And we don't have a quick question this week. And we'll hit our weekly awards and then our garbage time and track me of the week, followed up by our starts of the week and then a listener question to round things out. Um, before we hop into news, I want to give a quick shout out to the Dynasty Bros Fantasy Football Podcast. Um, Dynasty Bro Vic, who is one of the hosts there, at Chief Sosa FF on Twitter. Him and I did a pod last night for the Dynasty Bros, and it was an absolute blast. I had a ton of fun. Um, me and him have been talking back and forth on Twitter for a couple months now. And then this week, we were able to work something out where I was on their show. It was a blast. And we talked about some really important stuff. We talked about players at each position that you feel confident locking into your playoff rosters um, moving forward through the playoffs. So I would encourage you guys to check that out. It's a ton of fun. Vic's a great guy. So give him a follow at chief Sosa FF. And then another exciting piece of news coming up for a to Z fantasy football. Uh, me specifically, I have a little bit more of an open schedule than 
my co-host Alejandro, but I will be representing us on the in-between media live stream at IBT Media is where you're going to be able to find that. That live stream is happening this Friday, December 11th. There's like 30 amazing Twitter personalities, um, big and small. You know, we're still a pretty small page. Uh, we're holding our own, I think, which is nice, but it's going to be really cool to be a part of something like this. Just a, a Christmas live stream celebrating the year. If we can uh, celebrate anything, it's the friends we've made online um, and just the the progress we've made as podcasters and content creators. So it'd be cool to join something like this. I'm pretty excited. We're going to have some fun Christmas themed fantasy segments and uh, I'll be on for a shot break. So if you want to see me struggle through a shot of fireball, 9.50 PM, December 11th, be there. So it's the worst things to take a shot of. I mean, it's all, it's all Casey had this. I literally got it tonight. I'm like, Hey, can I want to shot to fireball before I head on the pod? And yeah. We went in and grabbed a shot of fireball. I turned right around and left. I was like, good look, Zach. Good look. But uh, yeah, so those are some things to keep an eye on coming up. Um, one more shout out to the Dynasty Bros podcast and uh, Vic. It was it was a really good time. So go check that out. It's also super relevant information for the playoffs as you make your, your push here toward the end of the season. So we'll go ahead and move now into our news and notes segment. We usually start with COVID, but there was obviously some bigger news this week, and that was Carson Wentz is benched and Jalen Hurts is going to take over as a starter, presumably for the rest of the season, barring some sort of injury. So what's your reaction? So, well, I'll start and swallow some pride because I, I banged the drummer Wentz hard preseason. You and I had an argument or a debate about Wentz and his capabilities or um, I guess how the deck has been stacked against him in the past. And I, yeah, I mean, I was wrong. He's not playing well. He's not playing like the money they paid him or up to the level of the money they paid him. So what's your reaction to Wentz being benched for rookie Jalen Hurts out of Oklahoma? It was only a matter of time, honestly. And I hate to dog on wins, dude, but I'm I I'm happy to see Jalen Hurts get in there. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, I mean, he's got the arm, he's got the legs, he's an athletic guy. I think he's probably underrated when it comes to his athleticism. But he came in, he looked okay. In the in the when he came into that game, you know, he threw a touchdown. So it'll be interesting to see what he can do with a full week of practice with first team under his belt. And I'm excited to watch it. Yeah, I am too. You and I talked a lot before the draft. My perfect Packers draft scenario involved Jalen Hurts in the second round. It was a quarterback or a wide receiver in the first. I had Jeff or Justin Jefferson, Jalen Rager, and uh, T. Higgins were my three. And Mims creeped his way into that conversation later. Obviously, oh, this is all hypothetical. None of it happened, but Jalen Hurts was the consistent name. I always like second round's got to be Hurts, and uh, it didn't work out. Obviously, but I think really highly of Jalen Hurts. I think he is underrated as a quarterback. I mean, he's there's no doubt the kind of athlete he is, but people still doubt his abilities as a quarterback. And I think he's good, so I'm excited for him to get this shot at the expense of Carson Wentz, who I also appreciate and like as a person. I think the talent is still there. I just think he's mentally defeated and he needs to go somewhere else and kind of start over. So do you think this team starts to win more games and takes first in that division? Um, I think because With the division the is still so close, let me look it up. Do you know what their, uh, their standing is right now? No, I don't know where they're at now, but I know the giants are in the lead, but it's all very close. Yeah. So like giants, the giants Cowboys, are... Philly or something. No, it's a uh, New York, Washington, 
Philly Cowboys. It's five and seven, five and seven, three and eight, three and eight. So I think it's probably too little too late for the Eagles, especially since New York and Washington are kind of putting together pretty good games. Washington or New York has won four in a row and Washington's won three in a row. So they have momentum on their side. Plus they're two games ahead of the Eagles. So if they would have made this change like three or four weeks ago, I would have this division. I don't know if it would have been like more interesting is the right word. Cause it's obviously flaming dog shit. Yeah. I mean, they're all losing teams. One of these teams is going to host a home playoff game, which is insane, but <laughs> I think they're going to have a chance to be more competitive with Hertz in there. I really do. So yeah. Do you, uh, what, what is, I, I think you've talked about before is give us one more thought an opinion on Wentz in a Colts uniform next year. I don't like it. And everybody always gives the argument. Like when you talk about Philip Rivers or Carson Wentz, everyone always goes back to the years that they played under Frank Reich. And statistically those are their best years or like in Rivers case, one of his best years. And <clears throat> I, I don't know, man. I just don't like it. Like, I think part of the reason that Wentz is having issues, it's I think it's a mental thing for him. And I don't know that that's something that you just get over by going to a different team and playing for an old coach. I mean, you're still going to have those men- mental obstacles. You're still always going to have that. I mean, he was, that injury of his isn't ever going to go away. You know, he's still is always going to have had that injury. And so whether it's like you're afraid of getting injured again, or you're afraid of the next person behind you in the depth chart taking your spots, very similar to what Jalen Hurts did, or Nick Foles, which Nick Foles only took that spot because he got hurt, but he was able to see what those backups have done. And so he knows that the guy behind him could easily take a spot. So I feel like there's a big mental hurdle there. And also, I don't want him on the Colts either, because like next year, he's either the top or the second top paid quarterback. That's tough. It's tough to justify the money and the contract the they Eagles, gave him. It's the Eagles would. I mean, I don't know that anybody's going to trade for him with that contract, so they would, would most likely have to cut him. But which is a ridiculous amount of dead cap. Like yeah. they're better off just holding him as a backup. But then you're paying a guy that much money to sit there and warm the bench. Exactly, dude. So no, I don't want him. I think it will happen, and I think it's super unfortunate because I don't know that my Andrew Luck coming out of retirement is ever going to come true, which is what I want, but I just don't want it to happen. Yeah, I mean, I agree. There's so many skeletons in the closet or the like. living Carson Wentz's mind. It's hard to overcome, and it sucks because I do believe in the talent. Like this guy was a first round pick and I think he was worthy of being a first round pick, but right now he's not playing like it. So it is what it is. Um, I mean, he's a professional athlete. They deal with this kind of stuff. I don't want to sit here and feel too bad for him. I mean, he's obviously doing just fine for himself, but it is hard to see a player, like a person I like struggle like this. So um, I wish him luck in the future, wherever he ends up. And hopefully we can see him back in, MVP form someday. I'm sure if he gets back to MVP form in a Colts jersey, you can find a way to like him. So I probably would. You know what? You oddly kind of look like him. That's you know, I pulled up a picture to see how old he was. And <laughs> I'm seeing it. I see a similarity here. I don't know if it's a good or bad thing. But man, uh, I know my wallet's not feeling like his, but whatever. probably not. But we'll go ahead and move into some COVID news. A pretty bizarre 
um, piece of COVID news. Des Bryant tested positive for COVID moments before kickoff. Like they pulled him off the field while he was warming up and told him he tested positive. And then like 20 minutes later on Twitter, he just said, I'm quitting the season and it's not worth it. So this is a guy who worked his ass off just recently signed to the Ravens active roster. You remember last year he played for the saints for like five minutes and then tore his Achilles and uh, his rehabbed for a year gets on a team. And then this happens and we're not going to see any more does Bryant this year. Although his Twitter feed was popping last night. So I think he's got something brewing. It's just not going to be football. So this reminded me so much of the, was it the thunder and the jazz game in the NBA back in March where they just like canceled the game right before tip off. I have no idea. I think it was right when COVID was popping off for the first time. And they were like, Oh, sorry, we need to ask you to leave the stadium. And then like everyone's freaking out. So that was like the first. I know they of- did that during uh, the big 10 tournament for basketball last year. They like canceled a game at halftime or something. Yeah. This one, it was the NBA. It was, I remember it was huge, man. It like Twitter broke. And then, yeah, they just sent him off. So there was a lot of speculation last night. Should the game even be played? Cause obviously these guys in warmups, He's around people and he's positive for COVID. So it'll be interesting to see the fallout later this week of if any more positive tests come up from Baltimore, they obviously are just getting over an outbreak of their own. So I was surprised that they were able to play last night in general, but um, continuing with Baltimore, Mark Andrews, who tested positive for the virus has been activated. So he is over that hurdle, which is good because he is a type one diabetic. So um, a pre-existing condition puts him in higher risk but it's good to see that he has overcome that for now Um, hopefully it remains that way and then another interesting piece that I didn't touch on last week but this is this is really weird so the 49ers are no longer allowed to play in their home stadium in San Francisco their county is putting restrictions on contact sports and gatherings of x amount of people that their team exceeds or breaks those limitations so they had to pack up and move to Glendale, Arizona due to these restrictions. So they're posting up in Arizona for like the foreseeable future for the next few weeks at least. And they're going to have practice. They're going to have game prep. They're going to have all their weightlifting sessions at other facilities. I think they can use the Cardinals, but the Cardinals are using the Cardinals. So they might have to look at colleges or high schools around the area. What's your reaction to this? I've never, like, obviously we've never seen anything like this um, with a team just packing up and moving shop mid-season. Yeah, I mean, it's wild. Why did they go so far? Like, it's not the whole state of California doing that, is it? No, it's just this county. Because there's, like, the both, the both the L.A. teams, they're fine. But it's just this county in California that they're not allowed to do this. So, why well, I know of a place that doesn't have a team that has a stadium. It's called San Diego. Or Oakland. Black Hole. Are they in the same county? No, probably not. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I know they're right next to each other, but I mean, they could have gone to San Diego. I mean, granted, San Diego's not too far from Arizona, but I don't know. It's interesting. I never thought we would be to where, like, where we are right now in society. So, them having to move because the state or their county is is putting limitations on, I'm not shocked by. It was only a matter of time before teams places started to do that. Speaking of uh, where we are in society, civil war is currently trending on Twitter. So fun times in the old US of A. We just need to get our fucking shit together, dude. I'm so tired of this. I'm so tired of this. But moving on back into football. 
Uh, Tyreek Hill did not participate in Wednesday's practice with an illness. If we recall a week ago, CEH did not participate, participate in practice due to an illness. And while being active, he also did not participate in the game on Sunday. So this is something to monitor because if he has the same bug that CEH has, Tyreek Hill is not going to be trustworthy. And we don't know that. I mean, it's a, it could be a cold. He could be over it. It could be some sort of flu. So something to monitor there for sure. If he misses more time, his play on Sunday could be impacted by that. Uh, Antonio Gibson was diagnosed with turf toe is doubtful moving forward. So that was a, a nasty looking injury. It took him out of the game pretty early. So we could be missing Antonio Gibson for some time. That makes JD McKissick a very, very good target. I know waivers already ran, but McKissick has handled a really good amount of passing work all year. So he should be the lead back now. And Peyton Barber will get more carries, but I wouldn't really worry about Barber too much. Uh, Chris Godwin had the pins in his finger removed. He broke his finger a few weeks back, had surgery and played the next week with a little cast on his hand. So the pins are out. He didn't practice today because of that removal of the pins, but he is expected to play in week 14 versus the Vikings. So that'll be nice. And I'll talk about Godwin in a little bit. Josh Jacobs returned to practice after missing week 13 with an ankle injury, nasty sprained ankle. So it's good to see him back on the field. He should play this week as well. Then CMC returned to practice on Wednesday in a limited capacity. He's returning from a shoulder injury that he hurt in his first game back from his ankle sprain. And then in practice, it was also revealed, or it happened today, he injured his thigh. So the injuries are piling up for CMC. I don't know if we see him this year. If this, if he misses this game, I don't see a reason for the Panthers to play him the rest of the season. So oh, man. I mean, rest of the guy, especially as much as they're not, paying him. They're obviously not playoff bound, so you might as well just keep his health for a little bit longer. Yep. So that wraps up our news. Is there anything you saw that I did not mention here? I don't think so. Dope, man. All right, we're going to move into our favorite segment, our weekly awards based on the show Psych. This is one of me and Al's favorite shows. I think we might have some new listeners coming on board, so I want to keep on running through kind of what these segments are. Um, if you are new, welcome. We hope you enjoy this segment. It is a lot of fun for us to do. And if you haven't seen the show Psych, check it out. It's hilarious. So this is an award segment where we hand out awards to NFL players based on the aliases of Gus, who is a character from the show. He acquires tons of nicknames throughout the show. And uh, we honor his aliases in these awards that we present to players each and every week. So we hope you enjoy it. It's a lot of fun for us and hopefully it's for you as well. So we'll start out with the Jackal. This goes to the best run or rushing performance of the weekend. We both have Jonathan Taylor at long last. We've seen two good games in a row. He looked like the game slowed down. It looked like the Jonathan Taylor of Wisconsin. Grain of salt, it was Houston. Houston's one of the worst defenses versus running backs. But Jonathan Taylor did exactly what Jonathan Taylor is supposed to do against a bad defense. And it looks like he just needs to get some confidence because the physical tools are there. We've seen it at times this season. It's just been very inconsistent. And this past week, it looks like he put it all together. He had 13 carries or 91 on the ground. And then three receptions, I think, on six targets for 44 yards and a touchdown. And it was like a 37-yard touchdown where he outran the secondary. He looked excellent. And his catch percentage is off the charts this year. It's super, super good, especially for a guy they're clamoring about can't catch in the, the uh, combine and pre-draft analysis. So fun fact, Jonathan Taylor plays the Texans again in week 15. So if you have him in your, on your playoff team, be excited because he has a good schedule coming up. 
So Al reacts to your running back second round pick, Jonathan Taylor, finally looking like the guy we saw at Wisconsin. It's awesome. It is awesome. And one thing that I think that helped him is the fact that they didn't let him run the ball two, three times, then put Hines in for so you could have a break and Hines bust off 15 yarder. And then they're like, oh, well, we're going to go with Hines the rest of the game and then sit him on the sideline. Like they actually gave him a chance to run the ball. Yeah, I agree with that. And I feel like as fantasy analysts and football fans in general, we've seen other rookies this year pop off and we expect that for all rookies. These guys are still rookies. They still had one of the craziest off seasons we've ever seen. So it takes time. And just because Justin Jefferson's having a great year or Antonio Gibson's having a great year or James Robinson's having a great year, it's not going to translate like that for everyone. There's still plenty of rookies. J.K. Dobbins, for example, is struggling. He's just not being used. Jonathan Taylor, we're seeing the same thing. But when given opportunity, we see the talent there, and that's super encouraging moving forward. So we'll go ahead and move on to our Jazz Hands Award. This goes to the best catch or receiving performance of the weekend. Mine is going to Devontae Adams. His second quarter catch specifically, where the DB was like draped all over him, and he actually, if you watch a certain angle, it's like the pylon cam of the catch. He, uh, The defender reached behind the waist, I guess, and pulled the ball on Devontae Adams' leg. And then Devontae took it from there and caught the ball. It was marvelous. Like, he's so good, defenders are catching the ball for him. And that is insane. And he followed that up a couple plays later with a touchdown catch. He's now scored at least one touchdown in seven straight games. He scored two this game. His final stat line was 10 for 121 and two touchdowns. So absolutely blowing up wide receiver one by a mile actually not by a mile I think Tyreek Hill actually took that spot with that 269 yard game but Adams is right on his heels and I would take Adams any day of the week over Hill for the consistency Adams has had uh, just an outstanding season especially since he came back from the game you missed yep yep I agree he's been lighting it up my jazz hands award goes to T.Y. Hilton uh finally finally he had a big game, the T.Y. Hilton that we all know and love. He had eight receptions, 110 yards, and one touchdown. Second touchdown of the season, second one in the last two games, though. So hopefully he can keep it rolling. Putting it together at critical time. So if you roster T.Y. Hilton all year, now is your time to shine. Yep. So shout out T.Y. Um, our trending on Twitter award. This is a person, place, thing, event that had the internet buzzing. Um that's why it's called trending on Twitter. It's not necessarily just Twitter, but we do most of our interaction via Twitter. So it's appropriate. Uh, mine is going to Greg Williams or the Jets organization as a whole. This to me was pure comedy. Every time I watch this play, I just laugh a little bit. I'm like, what were they doing? You know? So let's set the scene. Y'all know it's late in the game. We got seconds left on the clock. The Jets are winning. I will repeat the Jets are winning late in the game. And Greg Williams dials up a seven-man blitz. All they have to do, its I think it was fourth down. All they have to do is not get scored on. And then seven-man blitz, single coverage. Henry Ruggs burns his guy. Derek Carr throws a bomb. Jets lose. Unreal. And then their solution was firing Greg Williams because he's been the problem all this time. So Greg Williams fired. Adam Gase still has a job. I'll make this make sense to me because I, I can't. Yeah, it's it's a matter of time before Adam Gase gets or gets fired. 
the I also put a little bit of the blame on him, dude, because he had already taken off his headset before that play even like immediately after the play before he had taken off his headset. You got to keep that thing on, dude. Listen to your defensive coordinator call play. So in case he calls a play like this, you know, what are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? No doubt. So, I, I mean, a little bit of that blame has to go on him. It has to, but you know, Greg Williams, obviously leader of bounty gate, dude should have brought in a little bit better defense than what he did, especially yeah. against the jets. My take on Gase still being around is he is around for them to lose. They're going after Trevor Lawrence. They're going after him hard. They need and a scapegoat, dude. Yeah, I mean, Gase is going to be gone the day after the season is over. Yeah. So that, that's that whole coaching staff is going to be terminated. Williams just dipped early, so good for him. Now he's not going to be tied to the 0-16 Jets. He's going to be tied to the 0-13 Jets. So yeah, smart, brilliant. That's a that's chestnut checkers right there from Greg Williams. But well, how would you have reacted though if? Car chucks that ball up and Ruggs drops it. Hits his hands and he just drops it in the end zone. I don't even I don't even know. That would have been so bad, dude. He's already got Nelson Aguilar on his team and he got Ruggs just dropping the ball. Yeah, it's like a sickness at that point. Go ahead and talk about we're gonna talk about Des again for years. Yeah, dude. Mine's I mean, we already touched on it, but my training on Twitter award goes to Des Bryant. You know, he gets pulled. Minutes before he plays his old team. Minutes before he plays his old team. And, you know, that probably was going to be a big game for him. You know, he finally gets to go back, play against the Cowboys, show them what they're missing out on. Because, you know, Dez did have good numbers for them when he played there. Uh, Like, contractually, they just couldn't figure it out. So they moved on. And, you know, that's – I wouldn't put anything against him. You know, he's just out here trying to make a living get paid before he's got he's got tied up but then he goes on twitter says you know i'm not putting up with this i'm out and it just sets the twitter world in the nfl world ablaze dude everybody loved it he was he's very entertaining on twitter last night so it'll be interesting to see what the next moves are for des he's talking about some business plan he's got out so give him a follow man i'm not he doesn't need us to promote but it should be fun, but he'll go ahead and move on to our Girton Buster Award. Tell by the name, this is a player who busted or let you down on the week. I'm giving mine to the entire LA Chargers squad. They were shut out by the Pats 45 nothing. We're looking at marquee players who have been plug and play fantasy assets each week. Herbert, 209 yards, two picks, no touchdowns. Eckler, 68 total yards. Keenan Allen, 11 targets, five yards, 48, or 11 targets, five catches, 48 yards absolute trash they all busted and they're all getting a, a Gurton buster award to share yeah it was a tough week by them my my Gurton buster goes to travis fulgham dude didn't do a goddamn thing hurts not to a, see man not a goddamn thing he was good he had a few weeks like really popping off and it was it looked like we got something in fulgham that it was like a waiver wire gold and I think it might be over. Yeah, it might, it might be. So hopefully you moved him in your dynasty leagues before this all happened. But anyways, next, our Gee Butter Snaps, a.k.a. the Heater Award. This is a player who popped off. And we both have this award going to Corey Davis. 12 targets, 11 catches, 182 yards, and a touchdown. He was the wide receiver one on the week. 
uh, backtracking to last week, this was the Browns and the Titans was the game I talked about as our track meet. And I wish I would have emphasized more how I felt about Corey Davis, but I didn't even know I felt that way. Uh, the matchup said he was going to be a good play, and I pretty much left it at that. But he was the best play of the week. So shout out to Corey Davis. It's been a hard year for him. He lost his brother to cancer a few weeks back. So it's cool to see a guy in his fourth year, they turned down his fifth-year option. He's playing like the player they drafted, and I'm super pumped for Davis. He's young enough that he's going to get an opportunity on another team, or the Titans can choose to extend him there. So, Al, what are your thoughts on Davis's big day? Honestly, man, going to that game with um, Ward being out on the Browns' defensive side of the ball, I would have thought that Brown would have had the big game, but you Brown's know, he's had some, egg. yeah, he's had some injury issues. I think I said, I'm pretty sure still probably nagging him. Um, and I'm not gonna lie, man. Every week, I'm still kind of I'm in and out on Davis just because the previous three years, you know, he hasn't really lit it up. And so every week, I'm just like, oh, he'll go back to the way he usually plays. He'll go back to the way he usually plays. But I always forget that he's got a new quarterback, like somebody who can actually throw the ball compared to Marcus Mariota. So I don't know, man. I mean, I'm happy for him. I'm. It's exciting that it's happening. I don't have him on any team, so it's not like I don't have – it doesn't impact me directly, but yeah, his nice worst, to see, it's nice his, to see somebody who doesn't have their fifth-year option get picked up just to fucking set the set the, the team on fire. And I don't know, maybe hopefully they re-sign him. Yeah. It would be weird to see him somewhere else. His first – or his worst game on the year, five targets, three catches, and a touchdown – uh, 36 yards in that game. Every other game, um, he's he's been really productive. His other game with only 35 yards, he also found the end zone. We're looking at one, two, three, 400-plus-yard games, including this 182-yard monster game, and one, two, three, four touchdowns on the year. So really good year out of Davis. He gets Jacksonville, Detroit, and Green Bay coming up. So, yeah, Those I mean, Davis, he's going to carry flex value or wide receiver two value if you're in a, a pinch and need a wide receiver two. I would probably feel okay with Davis given his consistency this year uh, going on to our Gus TT showbiz the extra T is for extra talent award this is our weekly best award um, this can go to an offense or defensive player again we have this going to the same player it is my quarterback Aaron Rodgers tossing his 400th touchdown pass he threw three touchdowns I think last week two of them to Devontae one of them to Robert Tanyan and man he's the the uh, second fastest, I think it took him 193 games. Tom Brady was 190. So that's huge. And then he's also the first quarterback in NFL history with 35 touchdown passes or more in five different NFL seasons. Historic, man. He's one of the best quarterbacks ever plays. Probably, I mean, people are going to say Mahomes is like the most arm talent, but Rodgers has been doing Mahomes shit since Mahomes was probably in middle school. So, I mean, this is... My quarterback, I obviously have a little bit of bias here, but he's he's the best I've ever seen. Yeah, I think last week or two weeks ago, I think it might have been actually after the after the Colts game. Um, he was doing the Aaron Rodgers Tuesday on the on a on a podcast I listened to, and he said that in his rookie training camp, he was he you know he's with the second team guys, so they're just kind of messing around and he was out there throwing no look passes and he said that he was completing them, but um, I don't know if it was the GM or the coach told, 
told the offensive coordinator to tell him to stop throwing those passes because he'd never do it in a game. And I mean, I think he does it pretty frequently in games. He just doesn't get the credit for it like Mahomes does. He's ahead of his time, no doubt. Um, another thing, so we can shout out the pod. It's the Pat McAfee show. Um, very jealous of the Aaron Rodgers Tuesday segment. That's dope. But I also saw an interview on a different week where Rodgers basically said he's never had a throwing coach. And they're like, so you've just always been this good? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, he's just super talented. It's great that I get to watch this guy play for my franchise of choice. Um, so, yeah, we'll go ahead and move on to our final award, the Magic Head Award. This goes to the best moment of the week. Um, mine's going to Alex Smith. I think this is his third award from me um, in this category. Leading the Washington football team in taking down the Steelers. I called this upset last week, and I felt dumb for saying it. But as I talked more and more about it, I saw this happen. The Steelers were worn out, and the Washington football team was rolling. Alex Smith did just enough to get this win. And, and just good for him, man. Comeback player of the year confirmed. That dude almost legit died two years ago. And here he is back starting, taking down one of the best teams in the NFL. So awesome, awesome story. Congrats, Alex Smith. I'm giving my magic head award to, to T.Y. Hilton. Uh, it was just a, it was a good moment, I guess, and a good look after that Colts-Houston game. Deshaun Watson was sitting on the bench obviously upset i don't know that he was crying but he did have a towel over his head and then you know he had his his face in his hands and he was just kind of sitting on the bench and ty hilton being a pro's pro went over there and was just uh just you know tapped him on the shoulder and said some words to him and i mean i think they're obviously good words because they dapped up and you know ty ran off the field but i mean it's just a good look of of sportsmanship and I don't know that the NFL necessarily showcases those all the time. So when you get to see them, it's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. I like that, man. The Texans lost in true heartbreaking fashion, a low snap from the center, like as they're about to go in and take the lead with under a minute or under two minutes left. So yeah, huge bummer, but this is super cool. I did see this on TV as well. And it was, it was nice. And it's just a tough, it's a tough situation. It's gotta be a tough situation for Watson to be in, man. I mean, he's young, he's good. And that team is just struggling right now. Yeah. No doubt, but in looking at a new head coach, it sucks though because they're still in a hard spot because they have like no picks. So yeah, Bob yeah. that team's going to freaking... struggle for a couple years. Yeah, he did a number on that team before he left. So worst GM in NFL history. But yeah, that wraps up our award segment. We hope you enjoyed it. Check out the graphic. We'll drop that on Twitter. Catch us on Twitter at a to z ffb and at zach ffb for the fantasy football side of things. Give Alex a follow at the real or at the Alex Sutton. Yes, dude. He's got some some gold mine tweets here and there. But um, yeah, man, we'll go ahead and move into our game breakdown segment. We have a garbage time and a track meet. Our track meet is a high scoring game, an exciting fantasy matchup. So we're looking at high over unders with two pretty good offenses, presumably. And then the garbage time game can mean a couple different things. It could be just a total shitty game, a trap game or a sneaky good matchup for a not so good NFL team. So last week, an example of the garbage time game was the, the Washington football versus the Steelers upset. Um, so that's the kind of stuff you'll get here. Um, we'll go ahead and start out with your track meet. Let's get, get cooking here. So I'm giving my track meet to the Chargers-Falcons game this weekend. I know last week 
you know, we you touched on it just a little bit ago about how a lot of the, the Chargers key players struggled. Um, that hasn't been a frequent thing all year. I mean, all year they've been popping off, especially Herbert and Keenan Allen. So now that Eckler's back, um, I like Herbert, Allen, Eckler. And I also, against a, a defense that allows big – big offense performances. I also think Mike Williams will probably have a big game in this one too. Um, both sides of the ball though, I think it's going to be an offensive show out because the, the chargers have a better defense than the Falcons do, but the chargers defense still isn't stupendous. So I think that um, Ridley, Ridley will have a good game. Matt Ryan will be average. Gurley, and then I want to say Julio Dupe. He can't stay on the field longer than five plays at a time. It, it's been rough. As a Julio manager in a couple leagues, it's just like I'm expecting at least 12 points, and he's getting me like two, and then he's dipping out for the game. So Yeah, so I don't – he could, but if I'm picking a wide receiver on that team, I'm going Ridley for sure. Yeah, would you play Julio if you had him? Assuming you have Julio, you probably don't have Ridley as well. And yeah. Julio was probably your first or second round pick. Are you still plugging him in? Or are you looking elsewhere? I think you a... have to. Yeah, it, unfortunately, I think you have to. I like you um, said, he's either he was either a first or second round pick, and it's Julio Jones, man. So anytime he could just bust one out, and so I think you have to play him and hope for that upside, even though he gives you like five plays dips out for four comes back in for three dips out for two comes in for six dips out for five you know it's just up and down it's a roller coaster it really is yeah no doubt yeah i like this call of a game i do think it's going to be a high scoring game so should be a fun one to watch as well uh, my track meet for the week is going to be the vikings and the bucks tampa bay is currently six and a half point favorites this is a 51 and a half point over under I look for anything 50 or more typically when targeting these uh, track meet games. Let's look at the context of both these teams right now. The Bucks are coming off a bye and they're currently the sixth seed in the NFC. So the five seed, I think, is one of the most valuable spots since there's only one bye. The five seed is going to be extremely valuable in the NFC specifically because they're going to get to play the winner of the NFC East. And we know that that's not a super good division. So right now that's the Giants out of all the teams in the NFC. That's the one you want to play in the first round. That gives you the best chance of advancing. So the Bucks have some work to do is what I'm saying. So they have a lot of incentive to want to win these games. The Vikings, on the other hand, are the seven seed and they're currently on the bubble right now tied with the Cardinals, with the exact same record. They need to win to stay in the playoffs. If the Cardinals jump them in record, the Vikings follow the playoffs just like that. So there's a lot of playoff implications riding on this game. And we're in the crunch time of the season where teams are trying to make those final pushes. And the more we approach playoffs, I really love this new playoff structure of one team getting a buy because it makes later in the season matter. If you have, for example, in the NFC, the Packers and the saints, the Packers are one game behind the saints. They have a lot to play for, to work toward that buy. the saints have a lot to play for, to hold that buy. So we're not going to see, I don't think, a lot of resting of starters because it could change just like that. The AFC gets significantly more interesting now with the Steelers dropping that game. Now they have the same record as the chiefs. And yeah, it, I, I like what I'm seeing here out of the, uh, the new playoff schedule. 
So moving on, like to players I like in the game, the Bucks. We I like Brady and Godwin, um, Mike Evans, and then Antonio Brown. I think could have some sneaky flex value in the matchup. The Vikings are 30th ranked versus opposing wide receivers on the year. So, I mean, AB hasn't been super involved. Now that Godwin's back in the fold, I think you can look at back end wide receiver one, high end wide receiver two numbers from Godwin. So I'd like that nine to 14 range for him to finish this week. And then with Mike Evans, I think Godwin does cap his upside. So if he doesn't get in the end zone, I think you're looking at like a, a wide receiver 20 or in that range, wide receiver 18 to 20. One guy I don't love this week at all is Rojo. And looking back at his previous games, so since week eight, this is what Rojo's carry numbers have been. Seven, three, 23, 10, and nine. So he has zero games since week eight with more than four targets. So outside of that 23 carry game, the dude has not gotten the volume necessary to sustain fantasy production. And it sucks because he's been one of the really bright spots of that de- or the, that offense. But in that same stretch of time, we're looking at now Tom Brady since week eight has thrown at least 38 passes in every single game. Rojo's only getting four targets a game. And Brady's throwing the ball 38 or more times. They're just not looking to him. And now with Godwin back healthy, Antonio Brown getting more acclimated to the offense, Mike Evans remains, Gronk is still there, Scotty Miller, like they're they're a passing offense at this point. And I think that's going to give them the best shot in this game, especially considering the 30th ranked defense. So the Vikings side of the ball, Kirk Cousins has now stacked up four QB one weeks in a row, finishing his highest QB three overall. Um, obvious starts, you start Dalvin Cook. And I, I would definitely say Justin Jefferson's an obvious start. I think he's like wide receiver four on the year and half PPR. And Adam Thielen, again, you start him with the uh, the relationship that Kirk Cousins and Thielen have over the, the years. Um, they're also in for a good matchup. The Bucks are ranked 25th versus opposing wide receivers. So I think this is going to be a high-scoring affair. And again, going back to the playoff implications, there's so many reasons for both of these teams to need to win this game. Yeah, man, going back to what you are saying about Rojo, dude, he's like, I think they've struggled as a team these past four or five weeks. I think they're, I, they're playing from behind, dude. So Tom Brady has to throw the ball more when they're running the ball. And, I mean, it's obviously hurting Rojo's value. Yeah, they've lost, I think, two or three in a row. Um, two of those games, 24-27, same score. Losing by field goal sucks. Um, but yeah, they're, they're playing from behind trying to get back into these games and that requires Brady to be throwing the ball. So, yeah, I mean, that's my take on the game. I think if you have Rojo, you can start him. I mean, he's got the massive play built into his, his upside, but you're going to need a touchdown. Cause I don't think the volume hasn't been there recently to, to justify expecting even running back two numbers. I think you'd be lucky to get a mid to back end running back two performance. So absolutely. Garbage time, man. Let's transition to our garbage time games. Take this one away. Garbage time goes to the Titans versus the Jags. Uh, I feel like this is just going to be a very one-sided matchup. You saw the Jaguars last week just absolutely struggle. You know, Glennon didn't do great. Um, Oh, what's his nuts? (laughs) DJ Chark didn't do great, that guy. Uh, And then Keelan, is it Keelan or Keenan? Keelan. Cole. Keelan Cole also did not do great. I mean, that team just struggled kind of offensively. The only good thing and consistent thing to come out of Jacksonville this season is Robinson. No doubt. 
So Robinson's if, been fantastic. If you have him, hammer start that guy every week. I don't think it matters who they play. Um, but I would be hesitant to play Cole and Chark this week against Tennessee. Uh, I think Tennessee's defense is good enough that they'll probably have two bad games again. Um, I mean, they're playing against playing with, I guess, uh, their third with their third string quarterbacks. So that doesn't help. So, but I mean, the Titans will probably just roll all over Jacksonville. So look for Tannehill, Henry, Davis, and Brown, who is questionable, but. I mean, he's been on the – he's been questionable for the past three weeks, so he'll probably still play. But I think those four guys, if you have them, you got to start them. Yeah, dude. One more Jacksonville guy, uh, LaVisca Chenault. His stat line's going to look nice, but if you didn't watch the game, his touchdown was a complete fluke. He was just kind of chilling in the end zone, finishing the route he ran. He wasn't even targeted. And then one of the defenders bumped the ball, and it just fell right into Chenault's arms. So he was back there by himself. It was cool to see him catch it. Very heads up play by Visca to be in the right spot at the right time. But that touchdown probably shouldn't have happened. But yeah, and then going highlighting Robinson again and his consistency has been unreal this year. He's played in every single game. I think he's one of the only running backs in the NFL, if not the only running back to handle all of his team's red zone carries. So that's massive. And he's been targeted in every single game this year. Week one, one time, and ever since then, it's been very heavily. So we're looking at six, six, five, six, four, seven. So he's, he's very involved in all aspects of the game. Since Mike Lennon's been starting, this is third week coming up on, he's seen six targets in both those games so far. So is he's Minshew out for the season? What's up? Are we? Are they just out of Minshew? Is he out for the season? What's I, up think, I think so. I mean, he had that ligament issue in his thumb. But and they're also not trying to win any more games. I mean, they're they're probably. What do you think? At, what do you think happens to him? Minshew, dude, that's I mean, he's such obviously a, is only his second year, so I don't know that they're going to trade him or cut him. Dude, what if Minshew ends up on the Colts? So if, we, if we see Jacksonville, with I love it. A top two it. pick, it's going to be Lawrence or Fields, probably Fields. I don't see dude, Minshew. I don't think Fields is deserving to go top fifteen. You don't think so. No, I don't think so. Man, I haven't do- I haven't dove into much college film. College football has been an absolute freaking dumpster fire this year with COVID. Um, and that's not an excuse for me to not pay attention to it. I do want to become more intentional and well-rounded on like incoming rookie classes. So that's a total ball drop on my part. But while we're trying to figure out everything with this project and current NFL players, it's been not been something I could spend much time on. So that's something to improve on for next year for sure. But yeah, I, I think Jacksonville is definitely in the market for quarterback. I, I wish Minshew would have worked out. I like the guy, but I just don't see it. I think he could have a similar career arc to a Jacoby Brissett, who ironically is already on the Colts, where it's just like a really, really good backup. So That's fair. I mean, Jacoby's getting paid $20 million to sit on the bench, dude. Not so bad. Not bad. come in and three plays and get one rushing yard. Yeah. Um, I, the, the way they're using him is so weird. It's like Hail Marys and then goal line vultures of Jonathan Taylor. But dude, it's working. You know, he's not like Brissett. I know we're getting kind of off topic, but Brissett is in a, he's not like a super athletic quarterback. He's not a mobile guy, but he's physical. He's like a and Donovan so McNabb. Need, yeah. If you're needing that fourth and one, he can do the QB sync to get you that one. 
but he can also drop back and give you a pass too. So you don't know how it's going to, how it's all going to pan out, but the way they're using him, dude, I love it. He's like Tim Tebow light, like yeah. real light. Yeah. Except a way better thrower. So yeah. we'll give him that. But yeah, I agree. Uh, my garbage time game is going to be the Chiefs and the Dolphins. Kansas City's currently seven point favorites. We're looking at 49 and a half point over under on this game. It screams like Chiefs are just going to dominate this game. But when I looked at the Chiefs over the past few weeks, they've struggled to close teams out this year, which has been pretty crazy. Um, just given the offensive firepower they have, their last four games has been decided by one possession. And then beyond that, we're looking at the Jets games, the last time they really kicked someone's ass. And that's because it's the Jets. So Mahomes in the past few weeks has been averaging like 375 yards per game, yet they still find themselves in one possession games. So it's kind of troubling. We're looking at the Jets was just a blowout. And then Denver in week seven was a blowout. Then you go Buffalo week six, 27, six or 26, 17, um, Vegas, they lost that game by a possession. So they're in close games despite all the offensive firepower they have. Enter the Miami Dolphins, a defense that's been really, really good this year. They currently have the third-ranked fantasy defense on the year. Miami has 20 takeaways on the season. I think three or two or three touchdowns, three touchdowns um, for that DST unit. So this is an opportunistic group. I'm not picking the Dolphins to win this game. I do think the Chiefs get it done, but I do think there's going to be value in the Dolphins trying to stay in this game, and I think they're going to be able to, given that the Chiefs can't close teams out, especially good teams. And the Dolphins have proven to be a good team this year, and that's that's just a, the fact of the matter. They're in second place in their division. I think they're in playoff contention, or they're they're really close to it. So Dolphins are no joke. So the days of the Dolphins being a laughing stock, I think, are behind us, and they will be for a long time. So... While we're on the Dolphins, shout out to Brian Flores for getting up in the fucking face of the Bengals team, coaching staff, all that shit last week for the, some of their dirty play. Um, B-Flow is absolutely 100% a coach I would want to play for if I was an NFL player. So it's cool to see a coach have their players back like that. And the players, like they're, they're in a good spot with B-Flow down there. But anyways, looking at players I like in the game for Kansas City, it's just been Mahomes, Hill, and Kelsey personally um hill and kelsey are second and third respectively in receiving yards on the season um kelsey doing that as a tight end is absolutely insane i think hill's only like a handful of yards behind dk metcalf so that's pretty impressive um ceh i want to talk about really quick he has not sniffed he has not sniffed 100 scrimmage yards since his uh, career high 161 ru yard rushing game in week six ever since then it's been very, very wishy-washy. And like, I'm just not inspired to play Clyde, especially if I'm a contending team in the playoffs. Like I almost, this is going to sound absolutely hideous, but given the situation JD McKissick finds himself in, I would almost rather take McKissick for the guaranteed workload. So Clyde's volume has been down. He's not cracked 15 carries since week six. Um, week six, he's taught 26. Since then, eight, six, five, 14, and 11. The targets aren't really there. He's only had one week in that, or yeah, one week in that time frame with five targets. So the involvement for the first round pick, especially given the guy's skill set, I thought this was going to be a home run RB1 given the team and the offense he found himself in. I'm out on CEH this week. On the Miami side of the ball, I like Tua, Devontae Parker, Miles Gaskin, and Mike Gesicki. I think these are going to be um, your, your money guys here. 
The game script, I think, will demand a high passing volume for the Dolphins. Miles Gaskin remains a good play because I'm pretty sure all their other running backs are hurt. Uh, and Gaskin's coming off IR. He has no limitations. He's been practicing for a few weeks, so he is healthy and ready to go. And he looked good last week as well. Uh, Devontae Parker's going to be back. I don't think he will face a suspension for the ejection last week. And Mike Kosicki, and that leaves those two as like their hands down most reliable pass catchers on the offense. So this is a game script thing for me. I think this is going to be a high scoring game. I like the over in the game. We're looking at 49 and a half. I like the over. So that means Miami's going to hang around in this one. And Tua, I mean, we saw Herbert really put a scare on the Chiefs in his first start with like 10 minutes notice when they stabbed uh, Tyra Taylor. <laughs> we got, huh? Well, you say stabbed. <laughs> That's That happened. That happened. So Tua, another rookie getting a shot at the defending Super Bowl champs. I don't want to say it's like all rookies play well against the Chiefs, but two has been balling out. So I'm excited for this game. I think it'll be more interesting than people think, but I do like the Chiefs to win it ultimately. So we'll go ahead and move now to our starts of the week. We'll go position by position. Al, get us started with your quarterback. Quarterback Ryan Tannehill versus the Jags, who are ranked 29th against opposing quarterbacks, and they definitely are going to slow Ryan Tannehill down. You know, I'm as a Colts fan, I can't, I can't like the Titans, but I do appreciate what they're doing. Um, and I think Ryan Tannehill getting out of Miami, getting away from Adam Gase, has had has had the opportunity in uh, in Tennessee with you know reliable targets and a good run game to to really shine. And it's going to happen again, dude, with A.J. Brown, Corey Davis, and Janu Smith supposed to come back, even though he's been dog shit the past couple of weeks. I think he might, he past might be able months. to do it too. Janu yeah. Smith has been dog shit the past couple of months. But yeah. yeah. And then, like, I want to continue to harp on the point that the Titans have a lot to play for. That I think is, it can't be stressed enough. I know the matchup on paper is great, but the Titans are no longer in sole possession of first place. They're not even in first place at all. They're in second place outright in that division. Players want to win their divisions. They're going to fight to get back to that one spot. So they need to win all these games. This is a great matchup too. So I like this call a lot. I'm going to go with a bounce back game for Justin Herbert versus the Falcons. You talked about the matchup earlier. Fantastic matchup for opposing quarterbacks. Herbert is four passing touchdowns away from tying Baker Mayfield's rookie touchdown record. Uh, that is 27. Herbert is currently at 23. I'm going to predict that he at least ties the record in week 14 versus the Falcons. So that's going to be a great game for Herbert. Um, note, these all have to be passing touchdowns. Herbert does have three rushing as well. So he's at 26 total in the year, which is amazing. He's also at nine picks. So if he can get to 30 as a rookie and then keep that interception total at 12 or lower, that's going to be a really, really impressive rookie campaign for Herbert. Let's go ahead and hit your running back. I actually hit mine first because it is a stack. I'm going to go with Austin Eckler having a bounce back game as well. Eckler has seen 27 targets in his two games back since returning from the hamstring injury. Atlanta on paper is bad against opposing running backs. But when you look at the skill set of Austin Eckler, you can kind of consider him a wide receiver. They literally line him up out wide. The dude's like 5'10 and can run routes like a wide receiver out wide. Um, he has that running back balance and agility and strength too. So he's a super versatile weapon. And when you look at the wide receivers and how they match up versus Atlanta, it's down near the bottom of the league. So Eckler becomes a really, really interesting name. And I think a very valuable weapon, especially given his target volume in the past two weeks. 
Dude, my star of the week is Melvin Gordon against the Panthers, who are ran, who ranked 26 against against opposing running backs. I think his ability in the pass pass catching game, and then also the <clears throat> the run game, um, I think he's going to shine. I mean, they're they're struggling offensively; they don't really have a lot of options out there on on wide receiver, but. I think yeah, I think he's going to do big things this week. He's had a pretty good season, kind of flying under the radar, I would say. But if you have him, start him because he's going to he's going to kill it. Yeah, man. Philip Lindsay's been banged up too. He's had a hard time staying on the field, which just means more for Melvin Gordon. So this is a good good call. Uh, go ahead and hit wide receiver. I'll start this one off too. Uh, Chris Godwin versus Minnesota. I touched on that matchup earlier as my track meet. If there's going to be points scored, I think Godwin's going to have something to do with it. He has been a very, very consistent player when on the field. The problem is getting him on the field. He's missed four games this year with various injuries. Um, the Bucs are coming off back-to-back losses, both by a field goal. We talked about the implications of this game, and the Bucs need to win. When we're looking at all the weapons and all the, the mouths to feed in Tampa, Godwin is the guy. On In games with Godwin and Evans both present on the field, Godwin out-targets Evans 60-47. to 47. Evans and Brady have had visible scuffles or kind of disagreements on the field. We're seeing they're not quite on the same page. Godwin so far has avoided the wrath of a frustrated Tom Brady this year. And I think that just speaks to the discipline, the trust, and the kind of player Godwin is. He knows where he's supposed to be. He's in the right spots all the time, and he's reliable when the ball is thrown to him. So I like Godwin in this game to find the end zone. I think we're looking, like I said earlier, at kind of a back-end wide receiver one week in that 9 to 14 range, so back-end one, high-end two. And I like Godwin through the playoffs also. He was my uh, – I planted my flag on Godwin as my, like, uh, set-it-and-forget-it player for the rest of the playoffs on the Dynasty Bros pod yesterday. So check that out again um, at Dynasty Bros FF. And then the podcast, if you search anywhere you can find podcasts, is uh, – the Dynasty Bros football or Dynasty Bros fantasy football podcast, I think. So, yeah, pretty good stuff. But hit your wide receiver for us. Going back to that Titans-Jags matchup, I'm going, and we have talked about this guy a few times throughout this episode, but Corey Davis. I think he's going to have another big game against the Jacksonville Jaguars, who are ranked 29th against opposing wide receivers. You've seen what he can do the past five weeks. So, start him. Yeah, man. Corey Davis uh, is a great story. I love that he's killing it this year. Uh, we'll wrap things up with tight end. Mine is going to be Dallas Goddard versus the Saints. Um, this is primarily because, one, I think Goddard's a good player, but also we're looking at a rookie quarterback making his first start versus the NFC one seed. So I think they're going to try to keep things simple for Jalen Hurts. And Goddard is – he's their preferred pass catcher throughout – the season when he's healthy over the past three weeks, he has 23 targets that is leading the team by a good amount of uh, targets there. And at least 66 yards and two touchdowns in that three game stretch, 66 yards per game, I should say. So he's been consistent. And I think as they're easing Jalen hurts into this offense, especially versus a good opponent, they're going to look and lean into Goddard early and often. My tight end is Dalton Schultz versus the Bengals. You know, they have a, uh, a subpar defense, and Andy Dalton likes to use the tight ends a lot. And Dalton Schultz has been 
a big part of that offense this season. So, yeah, I think he's going to continue to keep doing it. And uh, he's not going to get you stellar points, but he's at least consistent. So the opportunity is important. He's got 70 targets on the year, which is pretty fantastic uh, considering he wasn't even the starter at the beginning of the year. So this is a, a good deep play, but I think you can start Schultz and trust that start. Um, yeah, man, that wraps up our starts of the week. So hopefully y'all can learn something from that and take some of these um, pieces of advice to your own squads as you enter the playoffs. It's crunch time. This is what we've worked all year for. So good luck. Um, as Dynasty Bro Vic says, set your lineups with confidence. You know, we've been doing this for months now, and this is the time where you chase those championships down. So we'll go ahead and wrap the show up with a listener question. Shout out to Neil. Congratulations to Neil. Neil is a good friend of ours, former roommate. He is going to be a father. So Neil, we're stoked for you, dude. I'm, I'm super pumped and uh, proud to be an honorary uncle to another child. Um, Alex, I'm an honorary uncle to your two kids, soon to be three. So congratulations to you as well. And then Neil has one on the way. Also shout out Richard. Um, I don't know if I'm there yet with Balin, but I'm working on it. Get Just know there. that. So hit the question, which 2020 rookie are you expecting to have a big sophomore year? This was plural, but Al and I both picked one player. We're looking to have a good year next year, um, and we'll leave it at one. We can have conversations later, or we can hit another question like this in the coming weeks if we uh, so choose or have the, uh, the interest from the listeners. So Al, go ahead and start with yours. I love your name that you picked. I'm going with C.D. Lamb. You know, you're able to see what he did with Dak Prescott at the beginning of the year. You can, you, I mean, you're even seeing it now with whoever he's got at quarterback, Andy Dalton, and then Gilbert, Joe Filipino, whoever they pull off the street. And so, I mean, he's just, I think he's, he's bound for amazing things. He's got the body awareness, he's got the speed, he's got the hands. I think he's going to do great things. I mean, the the weeks that he played with Dak Prescott, which I think was only like two or three, four. It was six. I think that went down in week six. Oh, wow. Well, so he played a lot more. Uh, he had good weeks. I mean, he, it started off a little bit slow. I think the first game, he didn't do that great. But week two, week two to six or five, I mean, he was he was lighting it up. So if Dak is there for a full season, I think CeeDee Lamb is going to be – have a spectacular sophomore season yeah man in the the span with Dak we're looking at two 100 yard games he had a two touchdown game since then he has scored two more touchdowns with whichever backup was playing I think Gilbert was one and Dalton was the other he's yeah he's phenomenally talented he was my wide receiver one in the class remains my wide receiver one from the 2020 class despite what we've seen out of Jefferson um, he's the only one I think that can compete with that title for the 2020 wide receiver class, but it's still lamb for me. And I, yeah, I love what he's going to do next year. And in the future, I'm going to pick a deeper name that I think people don't have a reason to trust. And I talked about this again on dynasty bros. I like this guy this year. I think he's going to have redraft relevance the rest of the way in the playoffs. That's JK Dobbins. The Ravens are a team currently, I think, out of the playoffs or right on the bubble. They're one of those lower seeds. And this is a team that was a Super Bowl favorite heading into the year. Dobbins is an absolute dream fit for that offense. The RPO style of play, the dude can run, he can catch. He has some of the 
niftiest lateral agility and speed combination I've ever seen. I remember watching Dobbins as a freshman at Ohio State, and he looked like a freaking transformer on the field as a freshman. And then seeing what he's been able to do over his career at Ohio State, he's the perfect running back for the system. It's been extremely frustrating that the Ravens can't seem to use Dobbins appropriately or they're choosing not to, it almost looks like. I think he has – I don't know if he has a single game this year with over 20 carries. Um, let me confirm that. I am correct. His highest carry count on the year is 15. So he is used in the receiving game. He's got over 100 yards receiving this year. And he's got a handful of touchdowns as well. So he's a super talented player when they choose to use him. I think Mark Ingram is out the door next year. So we're looking at J.K. Dobbins versus Gus Edwards. And the talent comparison is not even close. So as Dobbins continues to acclimate to the league, he already is making people look ridiculously stupid when he's given the ball. But I think we're going to see him take over the backfield next year. And he's going to be kind of a mid, uh, I think a fifth, sixth, seventh round, absolute steal of a running back that you're going to want in all your rosters next season. So that wraps up our question. Thanks Neil for sending that in and congratulations again. Um, yeah, man, we'll go ahead and close the show out. Be on the lookout for Maplewood happy hour coming soon. We're actually about to record a little piece for that. So be on the lookout. We will announce that on the Twitter um, at A to Z FFB at Zach FFB and at the Alex Sutton is where you can find us. I think that's it, dude. Let's go ahead and wrap this up. We will see you guys next time. Good luck this weekend in your playoffs. Hit us up for questions. Um, yeah, I mean, we appreciate you listening with us this season. We hope it's been fun. We hope it's been enjoyable and um, beneficial to your teams and your rosters. So we appreciate the friendships built and we're excited to keep it rolling. So we'll see you guys next time. Peace. Peace.